Welcome to the Red Zone. Music from the Red Zone. And thank you so much for having the host. Welcome to the Red Zone's very own Samantha's well over here on Music from the Red Zone. So today's podcast is basically part of a series that we've been doing over on Welcome to the Red Zone about real estate. So a lot of you have been asking me some real estate tips and questions. So we're going to answer some real estate tips and questions. And the first part of this podcast will be nine staging tips to help your listing sell faster. The second part to this will be how to handle a multiple offer situation. So first up on the list is nine staging tips to help your listing sell faster. What is staging in the first place? Can staging affect time on the market? Does staging impact sale price? Nine home staging essentials and the bottom line will be the table of contents. First up on the list is what is staging? So to get this started, what is staging? Staging a house can help buyers envision the space for themselves and eliminate decorating and living concerns. So staging as the equivalent of dressing mannequins in a store window. It's really hard to imagine an outfit on the hanger, but it's easy to see it on a mannequin. So 97% of buyers look at a home online first. The pictures have to grab their attention. Colors and furniture placement are crucial to staging an appealing set of property photos. First up, can staging affect time on the market? Staging a house can affect its time on the market. Staged houses sold nine days sooner than houses not staged. Okay, Dutch staging impacts sale price. Even though we find ourselves in a hot seller's market, home staging is absolutely essential when it comes to selling a home. So here are nine home staging tips and essentials. The first thing is curb appeal. So curb appeal creates a first impression of the home. What is curb appeal? Well, Mr. Troll taught me what curb appeal was. I ended up redoing my outside of my house for curb appeal. So what is curb appeal in Mystics World and how can it basically help your house? And what are some DIY things we can do to give us a little bit more curb appeal at home for nothing that helps maybe get our house sold a little faster?
um, get everything done. You know, some simple DIY tips can help you. Um, if you don't have, if you don't have um, plywood, you can easily um, get some. Get some um, CPC pipes. Um, hot glue them together in the shape of where the wall may be busted or whatnot. Make sure that you have the same length of CPC pipes linked together at your walls. And make sure that they're in tight. Um, and go over the walls with like maybe some paint or whatnot or can get anything like an old door or something you're not using or you can cut that you know into the shape of the wall and cover it up over with the wall to burn some nail um you don't have curtains you can make some curtains out of old blankets um old sheets i would prefer sheets because sheets you know are about the same similarity of a curtain. So what you would do, you would take the sheets and you would cut on each side a insert. You know, so you may use a PCP pipe to hold it together, or you may use an iron rod or something to hold it together and put it over your window, and um, that way. You know, it will look like um, real curtains, but make sure that the sheets are colorful, you know, somewhat colorful white curtains so that you probably won't have, you know, a difference. But if you can't feel like you are not, um, if you think you're not crafty enough, get some old blinds and paint them the color of, um, your walls or whatever, that way um, it will blend in perfectly with whatever you're trying to do. Um, it's a lot, but I'm not going to have time to um, talk about everything at this moment, so we're going to get back to our special guest host. Back to you. Thank you. So, Kerberfield creates a first impression like this is what was here. When you first see the home, you want it to be copacetic. You want it to have something that sticks out amongst the rest. Even if you're not selling the home, you're renting the home. You're not going to be able to rent the home unless you have curb appeal. Consider that oftentimes buyers coming to see the home will be likely waiting with their agent is unlocking the front door. Ask yourself what they will see and whether or not what they will see makes a great first impression. Joan said the lawn and the front door should look inviting. She encourages homeowners to lay black mulch and the mulch beds, weed flower beds, and a wreath or more welcome mat. Make the outside look good as well as the inside. Because here's the thing, with curb appeal, like Mr. Swope was saying, it's not just indoors, exterior windows. If you have a busted out window and you're trying to sell a home, the only person you're going to market to is a bump. If you're trying to rent it, you'll get people with government funding instead of people with big paying jobs. So it's important to follow, for instance, our character Joe, having a good open concept. 
that is copacetic and shows an invitation. Now, here's the next thing. Along with curb appeal, overcluttering your home can be one of the biggest turnoffs in a sale. I feel the biggest turnoff is not decluttering. When staging, decluttering and cleaning is so important. When decluttering, I encourage sellers to think about what they are selling. It's not your stuff they want to buy. It's the house itself. Remember that all of your stuff should be out of there. You shouldn't have your stuff in there while you're trying to sell the home. It's okay to have furniture and certain things, but there are certain things that people don't want to buy, and that's your joke. Don't leave a bunch of stuff in the basement, in the garage. Don't do a whole bunch of stuff. So what does it mean to declutter? Well, Mystics World is the king of decluttering because he has renovated his room a million times. I can give you some great tips on how to declutter without having so much of your personal stuff gone, but still having the stuff that you need. So Mr. Roe, what are some good decluttering tips? But besides that, the next step is organizing. After the home is decluttered, you can start organizing storage spaces. So how does organizing and decluttering go together? And is there anything they can do to use this to their advantage to sell or buy the home? It goes back to the DIY tips, you know. Anything that you know can help you declutter. Like you may have some boxes around the home or you may have um, old dresser drawers you may not be using. It's so many ways to declutter your home to make it look like a home. And um, like you were saying, no one wants to buy no one wants to buy a home if they walk in and feel like they're on an episode of mm -hmm. Hoarder. Um, shout out to Hoarders. Shout out to TLC. Um, hit us up for a reality show, TLC. But, um, like I said, you don't want to go in a home and it looks like you're on an episode of Hoarders. You don't want to have to clean out someone else's stuff that they did in a home. Because a lot of times it could be infected with a lot of things that you wouldn't want to touch, you know. So, like you said, decluttering is the best thing. Sometimes you may feel like you don't want to throw something away. But until you throw it away, you know, you're going to feel like you're going to have this gonna have this really huge urge that I want to throw this away but not don't. But like once you throw it away you feel relief. Because think about it, everything that you collect has some type of memory. And if you're in a home that you're trying to sell that has a lot of bad memories, you know, no one is gonna want to buy the home because of all the stuff that you have across the house. When you want to sell something, you want to make sure it's in the best estate, especially a house. Um, can I say a few more things, if you don't mind? Yes. Um, and one thing that I've learned from having experienced the home owning and a home renting deal is that your house must be up to code. You know, you want your house to be up to code. You might you want your house to meet the standards 
too fine because I don't care how good your home may look. If it's not up to code, you know, then you're not going to get it sold. What is up to code means? Well, let's just say the outside was good, the inside was good, but you have faulty wiring. That's not up to code. Not only do you may not have faulty wiring, but you may also um, have faulty uh, plug-ins that if you plug something in it, it may smudge. So all of this goes together, the decluttering, the organization, and your house up to code if you want to sell it. Make sure those electrical system works. Make sure that if you plug something in, it doesn't spark. Make sure that your home is furnished with a smoke detector. You know, make sure that it has a fire extinguisher. You know, these are the little things that we miss when it comes to real estate. These are the, the little things that we don't really think about at times until it happens. So, um, so that's where, what do you feel about me uh, talking about making sure everything is up to code, like the wire and the smoke detector and the, um, the fire extinguisher? Do you think those are good things to also have? Yes, I do. And one of the other things that you mentioned, too, was deep cleaning. You know, when you're decluttering, you get all your junk out. That doesn't make your house clean. Rip out all that nasty carpet. Do not leave the carpet. Make hardwood floors. Get the hardwood floors or whatever flooring is underneath the carpet. We don't want your musty-ass carpet and all your germs when I move in. I'm going to rip it out even if you didn't. I'm going to put brand-new bathroom tile in. If you do that beforehand, I will gladly pay you more for the home. Almost a $12,000 increase. So deep clean. If you do nothing else, just clean, clean, clean. Nothing turns off buyers more than a dirty home. Sink repairs are super cheap and affordable. A bathroom sink is nothing. A bathroom vanity is nothing. Doing a kitchen sink, quartz countertops, granite countertops, that's an easy $10,000 remodel. Some of us can't afford that. Using butcher block countertops or laminate countertops can be cost effective because those are only around $500, but new countertops is always a good idea. Next up, make repairs. Like you were saying, it's essential that you do obvious repairs and fix anything that needs it. So I encourage homeowners to fix wobbly door handles, patch walls, replace broken gas planes, repair leaky faucets, tighten loose handrails, and make sure light switches work. Here's the thing, when we bought this house, this house was a great house. It was great when we moved in, we were excited. But after being here a year, we started noticing the lights are connected downstairs to the basement, but they're connected to all these old functional lighting cords. We never thought when we moved in, looking at all the lighting and seeing how it was on, you're not gonna believe it, the old fashioned outlet. Yes, that's right, the push button. We had to update to the flip switch and to the turn dial. So that's important. Those little updates can make the difference. If everything is still on the old fashioned lighting, it's not going to give you that opportunity that you need. So get lighting is just a thing. But here's the thing. This is something Mystics World taught me. 
remove personal touches and keep things neutral. Once the seller has decluttered the heavy bulky items from their home, it's time to depersonalize. Buyers want to envision themselves living in a new home, not the life you are living in it now. They don't want to see all of your paintings, your artwork, your whatever. You can leave some of it to create a space, but Mr. Troll taught me that not having all that stuff up when you're trying to sell something is key. So I'll explain to them what it means to remove your personal touches and then how can this benefit them? Certain curtains that you like or certain bath towels that you like or certain paintings or certain um, wallpaper. You know, no one wants to be reminded of, you know, the people that was in the house before. So that's basically what she's talking about, guys. You know, make sure that you strip everything because you don't want to leave a bad impression. You know, you go in there and you have, for instance, you have pink bunnies on the wall. What are people going to look for? They're going to look for a child, right? They're going to look for a child's crib, um, basically a female crib, and there's no crib. And you have no children that they find out. Yeah, they're going to be looking kind of awkward, like, why is this pink? And, um, they have no children. So, make sure you get all that kind of embarrassing stuff away, you know, so that they won't see that. Or, the most embarrassing thing of all is when you go in there and open the refrigerator and now you have is one chocolate bar from 1987 and a bag of fruits from 2004. No one wants to see a 1987's candy bar or your 1987 tights that you used to wear to get it boogie with it. So those are like <laughs> the things that uh, no buyer wants to see. So take your 1987 disco lights, hair, tights, and candy out the door with you. Back to you. <laughs> exactly what you said. I don't want to walk in a home and revisit the 70s. The biggest thing is, like you said, 70s, 60s, 50s, and 80s, all were years where everything was modern, but in a hippie vibe, like wall paneling and shag carpet. I do not want to walk in a home with shag carpet. That's a huge turnoff. Expensive to remove and very uh, annoying, in my opinion. Remove that. That's the keeping things neutral. Now, when it comes to staging, the part is the physical aspect of staging which entails the moving of furniture around each room and moving excess furniture out if needed. What does it mean to have excess furniture? Well, Mystic World taught me about that. My room is a large room, but even having a large room, I still find myself short on space. This is something he taught me, removing the items that I'm not using. Just because I'm not using it now, and I think I'll use that later. You have to get out of that mindset of I'm gonna use that later. You're not going to use it if you're not using it now. So, Mrs. Rowe, explain to them about keeping things neutral and then how giving things a purpose by giving each room a purpose. Before you're able to give each room a purpose, figure out your target audience. Ask yourself to think about who will plan to move into your home. 
Will your buyer be a bachelor, a family of four, or empty nesters? Who will be your target audience? He taught me that as well. Having the target audience figured out will give you a better opportunity for return. So explain to them giving each room a purpose and keeping things neutral. Well, let's see what you mean by keeping things neutral. It's basically keeping things modern. What's the latest trend, you know, of that year? So, for instance, it's 2022. So, basically, everything is um, computerized. Uh, everything is high fashion. So, if you want to um, sell something based on the 22 vibe, the trends, you know, there are some things that may be costly, but you have to think about it. If your buyer is a big spender, then you probably want to make twice as what you spent to remodel that. For instance, they're now within the ages of smart refrigerators where you go and use the touchscreen section of your refrigerator, no more pool handles, the same with stoves. Um, and today's modern is about fashion, you know, what type of fashion? You know, like Samantha where I was saying about um, never know if it's going to be a model or a family of four or empty nesters. So you want to kind of, you know, rock your house if you're selling kind of based on the, the era as it is now. So which means everything, appliances is basically touchscreen, um, the fashion, the look of everything is basically what catches a person's eye. So, um, one person in particular that we know, and I know we're going to um, have to shout out, you know, some more stuff about this person, but um, Samantha's where else? 2022, um, when you think of style, who is some of the names that you know personally? Like me, for one, it's Little Hoodie, right? So for everybody who's a Little Hoodie fan, shout out to Little Hoodie and his music company and his entertainment company. So for those who are Little Hoodie fans like you, you know, what would be, what, what would you, you know, kind of, what would you, um, when you think of Little Hoodie, when you think of remodeling a house within maybe a Little Hoodie fan like yourself, what do you think when you think of Little Hoodie? Like, from music to fashion to style, like? Um, you know, he has got a um, dark sense of style, but yet an open, modern, sleek concept, which is something everyone should be into. A palette that's open, you don't have to be dark, but you could just be open and modern, clean, no clutter, um, no extra desks, no extra chairs. Try not to have too much in one space. That goes back to decluttering. Does staging impact sale price? 100% it does. If you have your house staged so where you can't access the upstairs or you can't access the downstairs or maybe a spare bedroom's being hidden, those are things. Now, this is something Mystics World taught me, and we kind of learned this together, but we realized working together, it's super great. But this goes for people who are moving in who may be a family. It's super important, even if you're a bachelor or a family, you have what they call add-in office space. Look, I'm not buying a house if it doesn't have an office space. 
because anymore, everyone works from home. So you need to figure it out. What are you going to do? Since many people are working from home, at least part of the time, make your home stand out, be impactful for potential buyers by creating an office or a school desk space where they can work from home. Even if it's in the bedroom or a closet that you know has so many closets, turn that closet into an office space. For instance, my office has really essentially become my front porch. My second front porch on my home, I have converted that into a small office. Now, you might wonder why I need an office. Well, to give you a better idea, <laughs> Mystics World has helped me with this a lot, but he taught me that it can be super annoying while trying to work together, and there's something that really ticks him off. So, Mystics World, what is your biggest pet peeve? And also, why is having an office space so important? Office space is um, important because it gives you that sense of space that you need, that sense of privacy. Because not having privacy kind of work from home, it's like having a dog with no type of home training. Just think about that for a minute. So yeah, it, it's not it's not the best, but at the same time, having an office give you that space, it gives you that vibe of okay, this is my time, this is me time, where I can relax, where I can be myself, where I don't have to pretend to be something because I'm in front of people. If I wanna, you know, have a romantic time, you know, in my office with someone, or just relax, you know, open some champagne, some wine, um, root beer, lemonade, whatever you drink, um, something to eat and relax, and it's kind of like, you know, having your man cave, or what they've heard on the TV, she shed, so you can be a she shedder, or and cable, but it's where you can relax. My pet peeve is when I'm trying to work with someone and there's a lot of noise surrounding the area. Uh, I'm a very quiet type person, so when I work, you know, I like the quiet. I don't like much quiet, but that goes back to one of our older segments that we did that I would like somebody to talk about if you don't mind finding the right business partner. So that's going to tie in to what we're talking about. So finding the right business partner, tying in with that, does that, uh, is that also important when working with someone or sharing an office or something? It's super important. And I feel it's probably one of the most important things you can do now, why is it one of the most important things you could do? Well, because, you know, having an office space, like we were just talking about, it's the noise that's a pet peeve. If you're trying to work, you got kids screaming, babies crying, you got microwaves going off. It's never a good idea to have an office right off the kitchen because you're automatically getting all that crap noise, the stuff that just ruins your day. There's no relaxation in your office, no me time if it's right near the huddle. 
You want something quiet to yourself. That's why it's good, like I was saying, to use a closet or a space. But finding the right business partner is also a huge contracept. If you're a real estate agent or you're having real estate agency work, this is something you want to think about. And it's important to think about that because you have what they call a, how do you say it, overclutter, and you can't do it all yourself. I learned working with Mystics World, I will never do it myself. I'm so glad he's my partner because if there's ever anything I want to learn, I need to learn, and I don't know, he can help me because he may already know what we're talking about. So with that in mind, we're going to jump right into the next part, which is the bottom line. And then we will start our next podcast. So you guys can follow us on Welcome to the Red Zone as well to check out the beginning part of these podcast series. But the bottom line, now you have all the tips to stage a house like a professional. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward with the rest of the selling process. And don't forget to explore the options for selling. For the latest real estate and housing uptakes or tips, visit RocketMortgageProInsight.com. They have a lot of great tips like these where you can go and learn about these. And also listen to our podcast and check out our podcast. And thank you to Rocket Pro for giving us some insight on how about real estate and how to go about it because the biggest things are learning the steps to go. So if you guys are not familiar with her, Emma Tomsick is a student at Marquette University studying corporate communications, marketing, and public relations. She has a passion for writing and hopes to one day own her own business. In her free time, Emma likes to travel, shop, run, and drink coffee, but she is currently working for Rocket Pro Insight. So if you guys want to ask her some questions as well, I would appreciate it. Thank you to Emma for sharing this nine staging tips for us here on Mystic from the Red Zone. And thank you to some of our friends, including Tyrese and Emilio and Alyssa for asking these questions because this is good questions and we really appreciate it. Part two, time for a commercial break where we step into how to handle multiple offers. But first, let's head over to Mystic's World for our commercial break and he can talk to you about how everything goes so without further ado let's head over to mystics world for a commercial break hello guys you just tuned in and welcome to the uh commercial break of the portion um where we usually talk about our sponsors um such as spotify Notes, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, and we have a few more um, sponsors that we'll be showing once a week as well. But um, as we all know, sometimes we don't like working, but we like playing games. Our friends over at um, Flame App. Um, it's one of those, um, those sessions who allow you to do, um, play games, also do surveys, um, because they feel like sometimes, you know, we just may not feel like doing something, so they made an app. Also, um, we would like to talk about, um, uh, 
some more gaming apps where you can make money. Um, and another one of those gaming apps is uh, Let's Play. Um, Let's Play is another one of those type of apps where you can play games with money. Um, just to name a few. Also, if you're one of those who likes to collect receipts, uh, visit our friends over at Receipt Hog, where all you do is scan receipts and make money from home. Wow, how easy is that? So, those have been a few commercial breaks. Um, and thank you guys for tuning in to the Mystic from the Red Zone. Welcome to the Red Zone double podcasting session commercial break. Back to the special guest host. Thank you. So, welcome back, everyone. If you're tuning in, thank you to Mr. Swap for having that amazing great. He's absolutely right. Misplay is a great app where you can play games, take surveys, and enter challenges to earn gift cards. The cool part is with Misplay, for every game you play, the more time you play, the more you get paid. So, it's important to rack up the money, but also Gapix. Thank you to Gapix as well. It's a new app where you can play games, and the longer you play, the more rewards you get. So, thank you to Gapix. If you guys want, I will put the link in the description below on Welcome to the Red Zone and on our main Facebook page where you guys can actually download the app. It's on the Android and Apple stores, and you guys get played to play games, and it works. They cash out directly to PayPal or any social media. So that's a super cool thing. But on top of that, let's get right into how to handle multiple offer situations and when. First, we're going to be talking about home refinance home purchasing, and cash-out refinance. So first thing you want to talk about is home refinancing. What is that? Well, home refinancing is where someone may already own the home and they are refinancing. But here's the thing. If they're refinancing, you may have another offer from someone who's not living there to purchase the home. It can happen. And the biggest thing is, don't take that offer. If they're refinancing, it's because they want to own the home and pay it off, not because they can't afford the home. That's a misconception with refinancing. And home purchase. Maybe someone is purchasing a home and you have multiple offers. How do you handle multiple offer situations? Cash out refinance. This means that they have um, cashed out on their refinance. They've already paid for the home, and now what's left, they're getting money back. This could be a good thing because they may want to buy something else with you, and that's another multiple offer situation. So when the market is hot, an attractive abode is sought after commodity. When an area's buyers are itching to get into their next dream home, sellers can usually expect to receive more than one offer very quickly after their listing is posted on a multiple listing service, an MLS. How can you as an agent help your buyers or sellers navigate these often stressful situations? Read on or listen on for how do real estate professionals can guide their clients through multiple offers, bidding wars, and more. So if you guys are just tuning in, thank you for joining us. I'm Samantha's World with your main host. 
and we're starting off with how to handle multiple offer situations and when. First up, what listing agents need to know. A seller who has received multiple offers on their home is in a great position. However, sorting through all those offers and figuring out which one is the best overall can feel overwhelming and confusing for sellers. Here's how agents can help them through the process. First up, compare the offers. Organize the offers for your sellers in a way that makes it easy for them to see what each one includes so they can easily and efficiently weigh the pros and cons of each. Sellers should be well assisted by having a succinct comparison chart. This is something Mystics World taught me. We use this for podcasting as well. It's a great thing to have for podcasting. What happens if you get multiple episodes going? And for instance, you want to remember every episode. I have a hard time remembering episodes. This is something Mystics World taught me how to do, and I think it applies to every business. So comparing offers, that's not just what you're doing. You're actually taking notes and setting aside goals for what to tackle first. How does that work? Well, Mr. Swirl, tell them about comparing offers and what it means to compare offers and how to be prepared when comparing offers and what things can they do to be prepared? Basically, you just have to be careful. Um, sometimes you may get those, um, you may get those who try to con you out of your money or con you out of a deal. So to make sure that you don't get caught, um, make a comparison um, of where, how much did they want and how much they get, you know, because sometimes they may want more, but comparing the deals can help you so much because most times it'll allow you to get what you want at a lower price. Just depends on how um, how you go and how you go by doing it. You know, can I give a few examples? Yes, please do. Okay, for example, you have two cars that look the same, but from different companies. This is a great example because even though it's the same car. One of those companies is going to try to sell you that car double than what the other company is paying you. So, the thing about that is, if you know your cars, you know that if something looks the same, there's always always something different about a car or anything that you buy that's similar or looks the same. So, I just say if you want a 2022 um, Lamborghini, but then you go to a different company and they're selling the exact same 2022 um, Lamborghini. But one of the Lamborghinis at one company, they want... I'll estimate an even $200,000. But then the other company, they want $400,000. They're going to do what they can to make you buy that $400,000 um, 
So what you need to do is basically keep your notebook, write down the company, write down the person's name or the host that's hosting you, write down both cars, write down both prices, and you break down you break down the equations, okay? This um, company wants 200000 for this. The other company wants 400000 Then you start breaking them down. Like, okay, what's the difference? Because they both look the same. They both have the same motor. You know, they both have the same interior. You know, they both have the same, you know, same type of tires, you know. But, but, they're going to get you because they were trying to throw you off with something that that other car doesn't have. And some people, you know, dig right into it, you know, and they they get brainwashed into buying that $400,000 one where the $200,000 one is basically almost the same. Can I say a few more things? Yes, you can. Okay, like I said with the car. So, what's going to happen is that the one that paid that $400,000 one, guess what? Their, their um, mortgage was going to be twice or probably even triple. So, if you're paying only $200,000, um, you may be paying probably... I say an estimate of probably two, two to five hundred dollars a month or whatever your plan is. I say all this to say that that sometimes people will get brainwashed into buying something a lot higher than what they need to and end up in debt quicker because they feel like, oh, if I get the four hundred thousand dollar Lamborghini, you know then it has more this, it has more debt. And you see someone with a $200,000 Lamborghini with the same exact features that you have. Then you end up looking like, I mean, hey, looking like, you know, I'm not going to say it, you know, I'm trying to be respectful, but you get the idea. So, Back to you, Samantha, as well, to sum up in your own opinion, what do you think about that? I agree 100%. You know, being organized is super key. And also, like you said, writing stuff down. That's something he taught me. Writing stuff down is a big key and turn on. Consider the seller's needs next. Of course, what makes a good offer depends on what your seller needs from the home sale. So if you're a seller... Um, or for instance, client is, um, selling something and needs this much money for the home. You need to consider, can the home sell for that? That goes back to our nine staging chips that we just talked about. Super important. These go hand in hand together with this because you want them to feel cohesive. You want them to feel loved. You want them to feel like they're a part of you and also invited to sell with you you don't want to sell something that you know for a fact it's not going to sell because you didn't do it another thing this world taught me this goes back to having the right business partner because one business partner might say the highest offer is the best offer 
Woohoo, we got this much money. Let's take it and run. Turns out the highest offer isn't always the best offer. Should you go to the store and take the stuff just for 99 cents that's stale and three months old? Or should you go for the stuff that's fresh and just put out? You might have thought that the 99 cents was cheaper, but it wasn't better. It could have been on recall or had an issue. While it's usually a priority for sellers to make as much money as they can on the sale of their home, it's not necessarily the top priority for every seller. The reason being is because when you're selling to a buyer, you do not want to sell for the highest offer because that offer could be something Mystics World taught me. A S-C-A-M, capital S. It is a scam. That's right. They may not actually have the money and put it in offer. So when you go to get that offer and they don't have the money, the people who are interested are no longer interested because they want to know why those people didn't take the home. So Mystics World, explain to them how having the highest offer isn't always the better and don't rely on love letters. In situations with multiple offers, sellers will sometimes receive letters from prospective buyers hoping to stand out. This is something called a SCAM. They will promise you the world that they'll take care of the place. There's a lot of things to look out for. So how do they look out for that? And what are some tips that you can offer them? Be careful. um, Try to learn from someone else's mistakes. Because if you see someone who bought something that's higher than you know, they can afford, and then, you know, you see them end up losing it because they kind of take the high road. They want what's the the biggest and the baddest, but sometimes the biggest and the baddest can leave you um, bankrupt or it can leave you homeless because you kind of buy something that's not in your budget. You know, it may work out for a minute, and then, you know, see yourself having to work more than most people just to keep the rent up and keep the mortgage up and then you end up dying in debt because you know you're trying to be the biggest and the baddest or trying to be the center of attention of your neighborhood or because you have a little extra money you know left over than most people all of that soon adds up to bankrupt, homeless, or failure. So, basically, you know, that's what she's talking about. Back to you. Exactly. This is something that you'll want to do a lot of. Help keep them... <laughs> Help keep them in a perspective. Help them keep it in perspective. Wait, what? Did I say that right? Yes, I did. It's not just the buyer, but the seller. As a real estate agent, you're the professional objective voice in what tends to be a very emotional process. Selling a home that you lived in for four to five years cannot be easy. For instance, like Mystic's World, his family gifted him his home. So how would it be for him just moving out of a home he was given by people he loved? pretty difficult because it may have been the last thing they gave him or it may be something personal 
The same goes for me. My grandpa gave me a few things and all of a sudden it's taking up too much space and I got to get rid of it. The personal things hit deep and become very emotional. Selling a home is a very emotional time for a lot of people, especially being sure that this is what they're doing. Because here's one thing. Maybe where they're going, they're not 100% sure or they're forced to sell the home based on the situation. Put your best foot forward. Once your buyer is prepared to make an offer, make sure everything on their end is prepared and ready to go. The last thing you want is for a seller to think an offer was made haphazardly or that the hopeful buyer is disorganized or ill-prepared and the loans don't go through. Nope, 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 nope. Never, ever do a loan deal if the loan company is a shark. Biggest thing you want to watch out for is loan sharks. When it comes to buying real estate and buying homes, brokers and bankers will come in with a very low but fair offer, offering you great opportunity to sell. But cash is usually king. You've probably heard a repeated ad nauseum by now. If a buyer has the means, cash offers are by far the strongest. But not everybody has the kind of money just lying around. Loans become a thing. Unfortunately, for those who plan to use financing to purchase a home, all cash buyers have the advantage when a home has multiple offers on it. However, while it can be difficult to beat a cash offer, it's not unheard of. Because here's the thing. I don't mind taking a loan offer from someone, but it has to be a reputable company. That goes back to putting your best foot forward. You may give it your best, but you didn't get the offer. Well, one of the biggest reasons is the company you may be working with is probably a scam. Yep, I said it, a scam. They're not a company who's reputable or has good loan credit. Always check and apply for a mortgage through a company that is top rated. Never go with a second rate company who doesn't have a lot of experience. That could be very bad to your credit. It could damage you. For instance, one of the biggest things the IRS warns is that these companies pop up in local areas, such as buy now, pay later companies. Big things to look out for. Don't buy now, pay later. It's not a good asset. Always have cash. That's usually a king thing. Be careful what you ask for. When competing against multiple offers, it's important to be careful while treading the line between getting your buyer what they want and asking for too much, therefore scaring the seller away. Look, don't ask your seller to do 93% of the work while you do 20. This goes back to an episode I did on Welcome to the Red Zone about how agents can be scared off because they ask for 5 and 6% of the total cost and they did nothing of the work. This will sell your property nowhere if you're, you know, asking too much. So it's very important for the buyer in this situation to limit the extras they ask for from the buyers. Don't ask seller for contribution towards closing costs. Don't ask for an allowance such as paint allowance or carpet allowance and keep the number of days in option period to inspect property to a minimum said Candace Williams, a Texas-based real estate agent with Remax. So she's from Texas, and thank you, Candace Williams, from Rocket Pro Insight, giving us the opportunity to talk a little bit about this today. And it's super important, being careful what you ask for. Mrs. Will taught me about that. Never ask for stuff that you don't already know you can cover. This is something he also taught me. 
being flexible. A seller may have a certain timeline in which they want to be out of the house. And being flexible about the closing date can win you points. What does that mean? Well, he's great at this and taught me a lot about being flexible. So I explained to them how being flexible can be important and how much of a difference it makes when you're open to the customer's time versus your time. If you have a moment, but you want to be out of there and you already settled for that day time, um, make sure that it's what you want. Uh, if you don't want to get everything set up and then having to change your schedule due to something come up or something happened where you had to put your your um a lot of times it will limit how much you are and if you're you know not prepared like you are then your agent is going to look at you like well you know this is not professional I don't and it ends up losing your opportunity future to want to sell and buy it. Because in your rest it's time someone comes to buy something from you and put it on a record. So if they turn your record that um, your sale didn't go as planned, then no one's going to work ever again or want to or no one's going to want to buy something for you because of that record of you not, you know, closing a deal like you said you were happy. Agreed. This is the bottom line. Remembering there are three options when buying a home. Cash, someone may be home refinancing, a outright home purchase, and a cash out refinance. Thanks to Rocket Mortgage for offering this opportunity for us. And thanks again to my friend from Texas, Remax Real Estate Agency, Candace Williams, for offering her inspiration and her talks. And also to my other friend, who I'm super proud to have going into the real estate agency, and that is Emma Tomsic. She is a student at Marquette University studying for corporate communications, marketing, and public relations. So thank you to both of them for these tips and amazing insight. We really appreciate it. And the biggest thing is remembering how to handle both the staging and the multiple situations. Thank you so much for joining us here on Music from the Red Zone. Also, I welcome to the Red Zone. Be sure to check us out on all social media. I'm Samantha Road with your main host. Music Remember, whatever you do, starts with you. And also, the famous intro that got us both famous and closes out. Remember, whatever you do starts with you, but also remember. You can be anything. Welcome to the Red Zone.